to you and I for the keen eye. We're back in the apartment today recording another recovery story. We have a brand new guest with us. Courtney's with us today. Hi. How's it going? Good. Good, good. Glad to be here. Good. Must do, man. All right, at least I am. Are you just pumped, Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's dive right in, man. Uh, how long have you been in recovery? 15 months today. 15 months today. Mm-hmm. God, what a good day. Yeah, yeah, perfect day, man. So 15 months. Um, so I want to kick back just to right before you entered recovery. What got you into recovery? And what resources did you use to access recovery? Okay, um, well, the right before recovery is like the big aha moment that I didn't even see coming. Mm. It's kind of like whenever you get hit inside the head and you didn't see it, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's just like jaw dropping. So, long story short, um, I was trafficked in Texas for two years and I was stuck in Texas. And, um, I have a very good friend here in Alaska who felt in her heart she needed to call me mm-hmm. and um by her being obedient pretty much to that gut feeling she had it's like God told her to call me or something but by her obedience and her calling me um my family and her ended up buying me a plane ticket home and I went directly from the airport to detox and went from detox in a serenity house and it, that's when my journey started, and my mind started to get cleared up, right. and I could think straight. I was so delusional, delirious. Um, yeah, I wasn't. I was getting better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you say? I'm, I'm really curious. Like, what was that phone call? What, what? I guess changed your your mind. She told me I need to come home, or I'm gonna die. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty much straightforward, and I knew it. Like the week, the week coming up to that phone call. Um, there were, there had been, well, I was stuck in Texas for two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that whole time it was pretty much just slavery. It went so much further than addiction and, um, addiction's a real thing. And so is sex trafficking. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the week leading up to her calling, there was just more severe, fatal things that were going on in my life and by the grace of God I uh, made it through and um, yeah I do have to say that I think animals are a beautiful thing because if I wouldn't have had my dog with me in Texas that I happened to acquire whenever I was there she um, she has been there for me a lot um mm. And that week, she was just really extra close by my side. And, um, yeah, so it was just uh, kind of ironic. And I knew it in my gut that kind of like whenever you feel in your stomach, like something just really isn't right. Mm-hmm. It was that, like, dominating feeling constantly. Right. And I think what's kind of hard for some people to understand, because I think from a perspective of somebody who's, like, never – had any experience with anybody in their active addiction or doesn't really know much about addiction, I think they probably would kind of look at that, like, idea, like, you know, that gut feeling that, like, something's just not right. And, and I, like, this sounds terrible, but I think it's kind of honest. Is like, well, 
yeah, you know what I mean? Like, look at this or look at that or look, look at all the things around you. Like, obviously something's not right, right? Yeah. And I think that, like, speaks a little bit to, like, how strong of a hold addiction has on people because they, somebody on the outside, like, it looks obvious, right? And so put yourself in that person's shoes and think about what kind of grip something would have to have on you for to make you look at that and see that it's, like, super normal, yeah. right? Or all the things that would have had to lead up to that for that to become normalized in your life, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, addiction along with any other thing, you know, it's just um, you become blinded and deaf to any normality around you. Um, it's... Human beings are not equipped to live that life and right. live a long, full life, so mm-hmm. it's not normal. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, kind of leading back to Cobra's question, what? I mean, I know like the gut feeling. I guess that is kind of the answer, right? Because you get this phone call and your friend says, "Hey, you got to come home, or you're gonna die." And what when, makes you stop from being like, "Dude, shut up!" Like you know, like obviously not, and like just hanging out the phone. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um. Whenever she called, it happened to be a moment that I was literally walking out the front door to let my dog go out to go potty, Mm -hmm. and I was not, we had cameras on the inside and outside of our house, Mm -hmm. and the person that I lived with that pretty much I was just enslaved to, um, he was not there. And it was just a defining moment in my life where I was walking out and he was not around. I was not in front of a camera inside or outside of our house. I was taking my dog to go potty. Like, I was just free for one second. And then that one second, she called. And um, uh, it's just like that, you know you need to be obedient and listen mm-hmm. to what's being fed to me. Because for... Whenever a person isn't fed life um, or, or fruitful words in their in their life, anything they hear, they just like grasp onto it because they're just so hungry for anything good and positive. And that was it. May sound negative, but it's really not. It's like a it's um it's just like a big awakening moment or like being fed some some truth mm-hmm. in your life. You know, I hadn't been around anything um, honest in a long time. It's kind yeah. of like once you. Maybe you're in a, I'm trying to think of a good example, but it's just like your nose will get used to certain odors. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're living in a terrible space or whatever, and you, you don't even notice it. And yeah. then you step outside, and you're like, fresh air. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. it, it smells wonderful. Mm-hmm. But that's because of the situation you've been in for so long. It just becomes normal. Yeah. Just regular. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a part of you knew that basically that was going to lead to death. And you were aware of that, but uh, maybe yeah. not ready to take the step. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not, I'm not oblivious to right and wrong. I'm not, right. um, I was taught right and wrong. I was, mm-hmm. I was taught about God and I had luck by the grace of God. And, um, you know, I had the, the seeds that were planted. Mm-hmm. Did I listen? No. Did I choose <laughs> to take the hard road? I didn't know it was the hard road at the time, but, um, whenever you, I'll speak for myself. Whenever I, um, it's like, I felt like it was a ball and chain kind of thing. Like, I just could not shake it. Nothing, I, I didn't have the drive. Um, towards the end, I had no hope at all. I thought it was that way forever. 
I felt stuck. Right. And then you get that phone call, and for a moment you feel unstuck. Yeah. Is that that right, I guess? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And prior to that, um, my grandma has always, my grandma, my sister, my my whole family um, has always been uh, there for me, um, praying for me, talking to me, answer whenever I call, Mm. always. And, um, they just never give up. And, uh, that, that I just became kind of numb to, like, oh, they're my family, they'll always be there for me kind of thing. But that's what I really believe helped Mm. get me, um, to where I'm at and to get even home. Mm-hmm. You know, they want, they want me to be sober and happy and, and fruitful, you know? Right. I mean, I can't, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I know I was miserable, but just imagine somebody you love is hurting that much and, and in that much pain and, and living such a destructive life and they had to witness that and mm-hmm. I brought them through that. Right. That is just like... There's really not much they can do about it, you know, besides like... Yeah. Be there when you're ready, you know. And I think that's the hard part. I mean, at least it would be... That would be the hard part for me, and I'll speak for myself as well. Because you're taught, you know, you see somebody struggling, mm-hmm. you help them, you know. And it's yeah. like, well, you're never taught what to do when they don't want your help, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's frustrating, you know. It's super frustrating. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I think for people... I think we speak about this a lot, but I think it's super important, like... For people who have family ones and loved ones who are in their active addiction and struggling right now, strike this balance. We've heard it in a couple of podcasts, especially with our parents, like the ones we've done with parents and um, one we did with the daughters. Like, find this balance of like drawing your boundaries, but like not losing hope. Yeah. You know, like, Absolutely. I mean, I uh, I have a few people in my life that chose to protect not protect themselves um mentally spiritually emotionally and set that boundary mm-hmm. because you know there's that fine line where you're not helping somebody if you're hurting yourself too right. kind mm-hmm. of thing so but in the restoration process these past 15 months um i mean things can be renewed they can be restored you know, things can get better mm-hmm. within that relationship whenever the boundaries set up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hearing from you, it sounds like just that support. I know a lot of people might feel like that after a while, it's just falling on deaf ears. Because like you said, you were you were just like, yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're there for me. I'm doing my own thing. I know they want this for me, but that's not, that's not what I'm doing here. Yeah. But it sounds like their persistence in the end over time still kind of wore away at that that thought or feeling that, you know, whatever, it's, it's just family, you know, they, yeah. they just want me to do what they yeah. want me to do, but mm-hmm. that support in the end, it really does make a difference. Absolutely. And so when you got into recovery, you went straight to detox, and then where did you go after detox? Did you go into the house? I did. I, whenever I was in detox, um, my head started clearing up a little bit, and, um, I pretty much just did what I was told to do. Right. I didn't know how to do well, anything else. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I guess yeah. That was the question like why? <laughs> you know. But I, I didn't know how to. Right. Um, my, I mean, my my mind knew, my body looked, um, but out of repetition, after so many years of doing the same thing, you kind of just 
you don't know. It's like, it's unfamiliar. It's like mm-hmm. uncomfortably comfortable, I guess, you know, right. like you know it's right, but you just aren't sure how to. Mm-hmm. So I literally just did what I was told to do through detox. And then I, I went to, um, whenever I was at Serenity House, um, Serenity House is very solid. They'll tell you how it is. They know, they know how to help people and not hurt them. They know how, meaning like, they don't tell, they didn't tell me, you need to do this or, you know, you need to do it like that. It was like, this is the way to do it and you're going to flourish from it. And, um, it was just a really amazing experience. Like there, it's just, um, and they, they meet you, they met me where I was at. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I didn't go to treatment because I'm healed and whole and, you know, I'm here right. to be a role model. Like, mm-hmm. I was broken yeah. and um, in every way, shape, and form. Right. So, yeah, Serenity House definitely helped me turn the light on yeah. <laughs> in my life. And I think, like, mm-hmm. and I guess this is more of a question, you know, like, you know, I, mean, I guess I'm like kind of prying at this a little bit. That wanting or that willingness to kind of do whatever you're told sounds like it comes from a place of like admitted, like, if not that's a bad word i don't even want to say it um like of like admitted like surrender i guess you know what i mean like like i whatever i'm doing at this point is not working so that's exactly i'll do whatever it is you want me to do man because what i'm not doing just isn't happening oh my gosh what was yeah. that realization like like mm-hmm. whenever i realized um that I'm gonna, if quote unquote, win, or right. um, when I surrender, mm-hmm. give it up, I quit fighting, just um, quit self sabotaging, just one foot in front of the other, minute by minute, day by day. Um, it was relieving. It was a breath of fresh air. It was almost like I could see through the fog. It's kind of like. I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but whenever you're, like, driving down the road and it's foggy and you can't see but your lights are on, mm-hmm. and you kind of just keep going a little slow, but you know the road's there, you know, you just can't see, that's how it was for me. It's like, it was so foggy and I couldn't see, but I knew, I knew recovery was there, I knew the people around me was there, the lights were on, I just, I didn't know how to get there, but I was just trusting it. Right. It was like, like I said, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see. Oh, right. with that analogy, it's nice to have someone in the back seat cheering you on. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you bring people with you in the car, the ride is much less. Scary. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I think yes. you pick some of that up at like detox and at serenity, especially I know with like your peer supports and things like that. And I think that's uh, important for people who are in active addiction right now that may be listening or like are have some some reservations, mm-hmm. you know, about, like, that aspect of it, like, they're gonna make me do these things, you know what I mean, I, I've been to, I've been to this place, you know, and, like, all these 12-step recovery places are the same, you know, and it's, like, it's this stuff, and I, and I feel like what Serenity House, from our experience, just listening to people tell their experiences, right, so second-hand experiences, I guess, is, like, they really, and especially because this community, the double-edged sword of this community is so tight-knit, right, is that, you do when you go there have an opportunity to put people in your car you know, yeah like to really build that support network that is like so important and that 
seemingly for a lot of people, and also in our experience, just listening to stories, you've dissolved over years. Mm-hmm. You've cut you know, a lot of support networks. You've burned a lot of bridges. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, maybe a little bit of that fear of, like, going there and then, I don't know, maybe that's too far out in the future, but... Well, reservations definitely um, will kill a person. Right. Um, it's... it's, um, it's Reservations are delusional. It's an excuse. Um, I myself had have many reservations and have used all of them. Right. And um, I didn't realize until I was in recovery that um, I am. I do have a purpose, and we are all chosen to live a a fruitful um, life and be a part of society. And to grasp that concept and be a part of it <coughs> is. Like a whole nother dimension, but uh, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't just trust the process, honestly, but I have used reservations before and it almost killed me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's that's always interested me, um, like kind of the self-sabotage slash making excuses. How did, how did they approach that in recovery? Because I know that's a big part of it. And I mean, I've struggled with that personally before too. Just like, because I mean, I can convince myself of anything. I mean, I'm sure everyone kind of feels the same way. It's like, leave me alone with myself long enough and we can, I can talk circles around stuff until it makes sense when it doesn't. Right. Yeah. We're on justification. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how do you break that cycle? What was that like? Honestly, self-discipline and kind of reprimanding myself and get back into reality. Right. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, take a tough line with yourself. Cut off. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just fed up. I'm done. And it's got to stop. And it can go with, you know, anything. It doesn't... If it's going to hurt me, it's not going to be a part of my life. And honestly, the, the biggest impact has been uh, my faith and yeah. praying. Like, if I run on self-will, oh. It is a hot mess. It is. <laughs> I love that term. Sorry. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just not, it's no good. But uh, it, it takes practice, you know. It doesn't just say like, I speak it out loud and I think it or I write it in my journal and um, it comes to life. Like, mm-hmm. it takes practice. And don't get me wrong, like I've tried things, I've said it, I've written it, I've thought it, and then I practiced it, and then I mess up. It kind of like speeding, like when I'm driving, I go too fast, and I'm like, oh, slow down, so then I put the brakes on, and I slow down, start over, right. do it again, you know, I just, um, be forgiving with myself, and give myself some grace, because I'm, I'm learning, right, you know, hmm. is that something that you kind of had to pick up in house, too, is like, kind of how to forgive yourself a little bit, and like, not, and kind of finding that balance of like, keeping yourself accountable, but not like, beating yourself up? Yeah. Or is that like a, a you thing? Uh, or both? In, in Serenity House, I learned what honesty was and how to identify my nature as a person and just call things as they are mm-hmm. and move on from it. Because we do these timelines in Serenity House and... When you, when you, whenever I wrote my timeline out, I could see a pattern over and over and over. And that was the like moment, the defining moment for me where I was like, 
I have got to stop this. Like, this has got to stop. If you, I mean, if you don't mind, what was kind of, what was that pattern that you kind of spotted? Um, well, from whenever I was, uh, long story short, um, I've had a couple stepdads and they have not been very father figure-ish. Right. Um, so that was men, abusive mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. And then it grew up to where I would, um, be with, um, abusive men. And then it got to where I was being trafficked in Texas and I couldn't get out. Like I was right. stuck and it escalated. And, and now it stopped because I have self-worth. I'm, you know, independent. I don't, I, I know who I am because it's who God says I am not mm-hmm. by another person. Right. And that was um that was kind of like the eye opener for me when I saw those repeated behaviors because my self sabotage starts whenever I start letting go of myself and depending on somebody else to tell me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot regardless, you know, for an addiction or not. Mhm. A lot of things. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I really appreciate that like have to draw a hard line with yourself too. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to do. Like, if I don't, dude, if I get a little soft myself like that, like, mm-hmm. I've, same thing, all that discipline just is, like, yeah. slowly but surely starts to slide away. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I have a whiteboard in my room that has some, has some, uh, seemingly not as encouraging things, but that I need to hear sometimes. <laughs> I thought that was pretty, that was good. And so, when you got into early recovery, because from my understanding, early recovery is hard, right? Like, that's, like, some of the most difficult steps, right? Because you have those first four steps are pretty tough, right? So in early recovery, at what point did it become... Well, I got a couple questions, I guess. I'm trying to figure out how I want to say them all. Um, okay. So in early recovery, what was, like, the most challenging step for you in, like, those first, like, four or five steps? Accepting how much... Accepting right. where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that's so hard? Because, um, because I didn't really know and understand how far I had gone in my addiction and how much I had, how much mess I needed to clean up, if you want to call it, yeah, a mess um, of my, of my life. Thinking about how much work it was going to take was overwhelming in my mind, but in reality, like, one day at a time, keeping it simple, like, things progress so quickly. Um on the positive end, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, acceptance is just, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's, it's a good. Right. It's a good hard. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. when you work out, you know, it's like, oh, I feel <laughs> the pain, but it's a good pain. Just thinking the same thing. Sore muscle experiences. Yeah. Truth often isn't, isn't what you want it to be, it just is. Right. You know? And so, you can look at it and be like, well, what if it was different? You just say that tomorrow, it's not how smart. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I can deceive everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that, I mean, that's what I was wondering, too, is, like, what the most difficult part of recovery has been and, and kind of how you got through it. And that sounds like that's kind of what it was. A lot of, um, you know, looking back at your past and seeing the pattern, a lot of this seems to be, like, you just didn't have the awareness at the time because kind of where you were, you know, life just started closing in and becoming more of one focal point of just like, you know, everything around you being, uh, drawn into, to just 
you know, yeah. your addiction and, mm-hmm. and what that was like. And so much stuff going on around you. You don't want to think about that. You just want to feel good for once. And, you know, that's, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. It's because yeah. you get in that toxic situation and then you have to escape from it. Mm-hmm. But then you don't get rid of the toxic situation, so you're trying to fight that addiction, but you also have, you know, so much other stuff that you yeah. got to deal with, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. And so, that, <clears throat> so I think that's important, uh, a kind of important thing to highlight is, like, I'm glad you brought it up, that feeling of being overwhelmed in early recovery, right? Like, oh, man, like, there's so much behind me that I have to clean up, and there's, like, so much in front of me that I have to do. Mm-hmm. And... So like you said, like one step at a time, keeping it simple. So especially in early recovery, actually even today, right? Because I'm sure it's still like some days more than others, I would imagine. Like it's still just like you have to kind of remind yourself kind of like one day at a time. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of take the steps. Yeah, like what's, um, that, what's that like? Yeah, I mean, I mainly I just didn't want to be where I was in early recovery ever again and I was hungry to do anything um but where I was and after I got over that hump and it just became like in my natural nature Mm -hmm. to um brush my teeth take a shower um be responsible do what I'm supposed to do you know um after I practiced that for a few months and got the hang of it um now it's just you know being accountable Mm -hmm. and living up to the expectations that I set for myself. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think that's like, and the reason I like to bring that up too is because I think that's important for people who are around the same point you're around right now, you know, in that one year, you know, eight, one year, 15, 18, like the first couple years really Mm -hmm. uh, is where we see a lot of people, you know, start to, Start trying to lose, not how to, I don't know how to put this exactly, but relapse, you didn't, and I don't even know if that's the word we use anymore, so anyway, um, because you, we get through all that, right, and then we take on all these responsibilities, not take on all responsibilities, right, we take on normal responsibilities that, like, people do, and then it starts to, like, get overwhelming, and we lose sight of that, like, okay, one day at a time, you know yeah. what I mean, like, and kind of have to take that step back. The good gets going real good, and you forget where you were kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, by the grace of God, I, I'm, I have not ever had that feeling, and yeah. I think that I, um, have been to a place that I never want to be, and right. I have no intention of going back, um, uh, however, if I do not do certain things every day, my day does get off track, like, if I don't pray, mm-hmm. if... You know, um, I don't um, stay engaged. There's just certain things that you got to do, kind of like whenever you take a shower or you brush your teeth. You know, um, I just give myself grace and start over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of part of your day now. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we do with um, a lot of stuff in our lives, just in general, uh, is over time, you kind of forget the bad and just mm-hmm. remember the good. Mm-hmm. I'm probably kind of personality yeah. too a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you kind of... Sorry, I, I, I was total cut off, but I listened... So there was a woman who has a PhD that I was talk, listening to in a, po- in a podcast the other day. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, like, with the exception of, like, severe trauma and PTSD, mm-hmm. like, most people will hold on to, like, bad memories, even things like as severe as like a bad breakup, and like a generally bad breakup, right? Not one mm-hmm. where like you were abused or anything crazy like that, yeah. but um, for like three months, mm-hmm. like that's it. And then they like 
start thinking about it less and less every day after three yeah. months. Yeah, dude, I, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. That's somewhere. And, I think, and it's hard, I think, for those first, like, day, <laughs> days one through, like, 71 mm-hmm. are, like, are hard, obviously. And I think it's, like, you get caught in these, like, whatever this is on man. And I think it's even harder in recovery, too, because, like, for 20, for a lot of people, you know, like, 20-plus years, when you get that feeling... I mean, how do you cope, right? You use. And so I think, like, when those first, like, big life things happen again, and, you know, you, those first few days or those first few weeks are, like, challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when it's super important to, like, I just like you talking about the things you did that got you where you're going, like, like give yourself grace, mm-hmm. take a step back. Well, utilizing the tools that I learned in um, Serenity House Church, my family, um, it's it's hard to fail when you have when you're surrounded by when you're the connections around you are so um, fruitful. I guess they just fill your life with. It's not like my you no know, my past didn't exist. It's it's. It's, it has happened. It just is not anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have, I mean, our community is super supporting and my family and, you know, going to church and, and myself, whenever we all want the same thing, it's kind of hard for something else to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it sounds like you've done what a lot of people said, building a life that's worth it and is not sustainable in addiction. Absolutely. In my work. Yeah, exactly. So you, you have all this accountability around you kind of all the time because you're interacting with these people, but it's positive accountability. Mm-hmm. Like they want you to, you to succeed and you want the relationship that you have with them. Yeah. And so I think that's really powerful when you have groups of people who are on your side mm-hmm. and you kind of maintain accountability. And especially... Times like these, uh, with quarantine and, and all this going on, I know it can be really hard to get together with the people who are supporting you in the backseat of that car driving down that, that foggy road mm-hmm. now more than ever. Has that has that affected you at all? Like with you know these current situations we're living in times. I mean, I'm sure people are tired of hearing about it, kind of like because it's been going on for so long. But yeah. well, what has that been, what has that been like for for you in recovery? Honestly, I don't know if it's just the type of person that I am, but my my life and the and the um, the sustainability in my life is not pertinent on situations. Right. Because of this or that, I'm not gonna allow that to affect me. That it's happened before and it sabotaged me, mm-hmm. and I just I don't have I just. I can't afford it. I don't have room for it. I don't want it. I want yeah. nothing about it. You know, and like, and the reality, yeah, things do happen. Um, and but you just, I just do the best I can with what I got. Mm-hmm. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I like that outlook, and it sounds like, you know, at one point, like I was saying earlier, that you know, people usually romanticize the past over time. I don't think that's happening for you. I mean, I think you had a very specific situation, what it sounds like, that you were in. And once you were aware of that, you're like, never again, more or less. Because yeah. once, you know, the wool over your eyes was lifted and you saw clearly, you're like, no, no, we're not, we're not going back there. Is that, yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. Um, it's... It, it was my choice up until it wasn't my choice, until I was forced. Mm-hmm. And then that's whenever it just became real scary. 
And so, so, yeah, I definitely, that's just where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I just don't have room for it. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that, because I think, at least, I mean, I can speak from my experience, you know, because I've talked about it before, too, on here, where, like, I've shared the sentiment of, like, mourning the person that you used to be, right? And so, mourning, like, that life Mm -hmm. um, before recovery. And I think a function of trafficking is that like once you see it for what it is i think that's one life where you don't romanticize much you know what i mean like maybe some people do but it's like the gravity of that situation for so many people is so heavy and so dark and so demoralizing that i think once you kind of get have an opportunity to get out of it like except for like a severe situation i would imagine you're pretty ready to be done like you're pretty like you're talking about like yeah. no desire to really yeah. even step anywhere like towards there again, yeah. right? Is would that be? Yeah, kinda, yeah, absolutely. Um, everybody's story is different, and I just happen to be part of my story, and it's a big part of my story. Um, I I always thought that I, I had a limit, like, if this happened or this, and just mm-hmm. kept going and going and going, and it never stopped, and um, I was just pretty much running on my own will until I was trapped, and then, um, you know, lo and behold, God is in the business of pulling people out of crazy situations, and that's exactly what happened to me, mm-hmm. thankfully, right. and if that wouldn't have happened, you know, Either a person's just going to get their limits pushed or they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was like trying to come up with more boundaries in your life. Is that something that you had to learn? Because <laughs> I know yes. that's, that's a common thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> boundaries um, are hard. Boundaries take practice. And, you know, to be honest, um, whenever I was going through Serenity House, I... Um, my counselor in there, she gave me a three-step process on how to set a boundary, and I wrote it down. I practiced saying it, and then um, I got to utilize it, and it worked. And then I didn't have to look at my paper and sit, you know, say what was say what I was trying to say. Um, it just came natural to wanna. I stand, I stand my ground, I guess, but like, but not in a mean way. Like, there's a constructive way about going about a um, a conversation that doesn't have to be so aggressive or from one end to the other, either sacrificing yourself or not doing it at all. Like, there's mm-hmm. that happy medium there, and that's something that I got to learn by setting those boundaries. And um, it's actually come out. Um, okay mm-hmm. you know it's, it's come out uh it's respecting myself and um, that's what i was about to say yeah yeah you have to have self-worth if you want to have boundaries you yeah because otherwise like if you don't yeah. care about yourself you know <laughs> exactly yeah. it definitely it takes practice though it didn't mm-hmm. come in my nature mm-hmm. to set boundaries i it did not come in my nature mm-hmm. i just you know pretty much uh yeah like i said I had to practice what would you have written down? I'm really curious. What was, what was the thing? I want to hear the process. Um, yeah. I state the problem, mm-hmm. why it's a problem, and what I want to do different about it. 
And I think, like, yeah, and I think, even for, you know, like, even me right now, I'm like, it's, it's, there's just, like, this gap, I think, for a lot of people, and maybe just me, maybe I'm just projecting, but, like, <laughs> stuff like that to me, and you're like, well, yeah, you know what I mean? But then, like, you think about it, you're like, man, do I actually really do that? Do well, yeah, I'm, right? You're like, well, yeah, we should all do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, that's, that's that seems clear. Is it easy, though? It's yeah, easy. exactly. No. The difference between simple and easy, I think sometimes we get that, like, we get that mix, mixed up, it gets a little bit convoluted, you know? Yeah. But, or you shame yourself, because yeah. you think it's simple, so you think you should get it the first try. I mean, I think that's why it's so important, yeah. you said, you gotta practice it. You gotta yeah. practice discipline. You well, practice and practice. sticking to it. Like, yeah. I already yeah. set that boundary, but sticking to it, uh, like... Yeah, yeah, enforcing it. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not always just an initial conversation. No. no. I mean, especially some people, it's like it's four or five conversations. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> <tired> right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But I think um, you should say those one more time. But your, your three steps to setting boundaries. What the, what the issue is, why it's an issue, and what you want to do different. Right. Like, for example... Um, I don't like it when you talk to me this way. I don't like it when you talk to me this way because it is hurtful and I would like I would like for you to approach me like this. Or, you know, something well, a real a real live example of something that I did um with somebody is I'm in recovery and I can't be around you if you're using. Mm-hmm. It's a problem because I was in addiction and now I'm in recovery and I just can't have that in my life. So if you want to be in my life, I need you to be in recovery or I can't be in yours. And I've stuck to that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, and and other things, anything that I want, um, reconciliation with is, and being get like relationships to be reconciled, it's helped with. Right. And I think that's important for just like human beings interacting with each other. Especially now, you know, world where we're so polarized and like so pulled apart by a lot of things. It's like just that clear cut communication in a way that's not like the intention. And I think when you execute it well, that's the intention is not hurtful. And like the words themselves aren't hurtful. You know what I mean? It's kind of just like honest, straightforward. You know, these things that like these words at least and like these actions that we typically value mm-hmm. but somehow like in our daily communications like especially with people that are closest to us mm-hmm. which is like I've always thought it's kind of ironic is like hard it's harder when people are close to you I think that part's ironic just because like, those are the people we're supposed to be like be able to be like the most open with right yeah. but like <laughs> once we start caring what people think about us we get a little balled up you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah but and yeah or and they I, feel or people feel entitled or um like they wear the hat of I'm the boss, so they're gonna keep being the boss. Or you right. know, I I've played this role for so long, I've worn this hat for so long. How do I do any different? Yeah, yeah, and that's that momentum in life. You once you get that, it, it's crazy how much of a difference it makes. But like you said, doing little things every day mm-hmm. it adds up. Days become weeks, weeks become months, and soon yeah. you have that momentum going in the other direction. But making that initial choice, especially. 
with recovery or, you know, whatever you're in, uh, is so hard because you've already had so much momentum going one way that turning it around. And that's why I think these support programs and places like Serenity are so important because if you're trying to turn around all that momentum, it's like trying to stop a boulder rolling downhill. Like, yeah. you, and you're just one person and you know, you get enough people and enough equipment and enough support, yeah. you know, it's much easier to slow that down. And so it goes from maybe feeling impossible and overwhelming to achievable yeah. because it becomes a step-by-step. Step. You're, not, yeah. you're not doing this all on your own. Yeah. That's why I think that's so critical. Mm-hmm. And I think the cool part about that is it is like no matter where you're at, no matter where you're rolling, mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, there's people and places right here in our community that are willing to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like detox, like serenity, you know, like and the AA communities, yeah. and mm-hmm. majority of just people in general, right? The religious communities, the AA yeah. community, the NA community, mm-hmm. like all these communities have support networks mm-hmm. built to catch you. You know, they got they got nets down there for your rolling boulder. You know, mm-hmm. wherever, yeah. you're, wherever yeah. you're going, and I think that's for, for anybody out there who's listening now who feels like their life is kind of becoming this like uns. You usually use the, the old spiral, but I think I like this boulder. Yeah, I, I like that more. Um, like, it's going that way, you know? And, like, that's their experience right now. Like, I think it's important for them, even if they don't execute or do it or take advantage of those right this very minute, they're, they're there. And I think that's important, even just to plant that seed that like you're talking about, to know they're there. Whether it's both of the Freedom Houses, they got the Men's and the Women's House, whether it's Trinity House, whether it's Dakota, whether it's um, oh man, just the hospital in general, you know, going from the care transitions process. Yeah. Um, and obviously check out our podcast page. It'll lock me shamelessly putting myself in there. Right? Um, I can't think of them all because there's so many, you know, like in not like oh there's so many, but there's a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and you feel like you're in that place of like just not wanting to be where you're at. And wanting to choose recovery, like they're there, like they're ready, willing, and and all those people have worth. I mean, that's a that's to me the saddest thing is to think that there's some people out there who are going on this you know this downward to the breaking point or to rock bottom, and they they they're aware of it, and they just think they're not worth it. They just think that, but they're loved. You I are loved. Know, I know. You are chosen. That's, yes, that's there is so hope. important. Mm-hmm. So you gotta value yourself to want to get yourself out of suffering. Because if you if you hate yourself, then great. You know whatever suffering I deserve it. But you don't want to be there. You you, you gotta realize that you have value and that there is hope. Like you were saying, you had lost hope, but then someone sparked that hope in you again mm-hmm. to believe that. It is possible. Mm-hmm. We can change. Even change is hard. I hate changing, <laughs> but we can change. Yeah, change is hard. Oh yeah. my gosh! So, if there was something that you could, uh, a piece of advice, maybe that you can think of, um, maybe something that you struggled with and had an aha moment that you get, could give out to, to people who are listening. Is there anything that you can think of that you're like, you know, I figured this out and I feel like if someone, if I could spare someone else the struggle that I had, that'd be, that'd be <laughs> super worth it. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, so. Honestly, I just hope that um, people that are suffering or 
feel stuck or don't have, feel like they have a choice, that they just just surrender pretty much. Just surrender and let go. And um, remember, if you keep doing what you always done, you're going to get what you always got. Mm-hmm. And it'll never, it'll never be different. And just trust, trust somebody that loves you because they have your best interest at heart. And it's uncomfortably comfortable, <laughs> but it gets better. It does. The restoration process is beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely worth it. Yeah, that's an awesome piece of advice, and I think that's super, super great. Um, before we get out of here, actually, Co, you want to pull up the Srenny House number? <laughs> like we do every time. Kobe I'm going to edit that out. We don't, we don't need them to know. Uh, yeah, we got yeah. that memorized. Dude, I tattooed on the back of my hand. 907-714-4521. Oh, oh, my gosh. No. You see that? No, no hesitation. No hesitation. Oh, man. Yeah. And so, like we said, anyone that's out there listening who's either supporting someone in recovery, you know, striking that balance of support and boundaries with a loved one who's in, who's in, a, in their active addiction, uh, someone who's currently in their active addiction right now that might be listening, um, I think Courtney wants to remind you all that you're loved mm-hmm. and it's possible. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Courtney just gave us a radio house number. That's, that's our go-to. There's multiple resources out there for you. You can find all their information usually online. Like we talked about the Freedom Houses, Cicada, um, Kanaitzi, uh, Henry Wellness Court. Uh, all these people that we've talked to that are doing amazing work in our community um, are here for you. And, and if nothing else, just go to a meeting if you can. Just, just take a step towards there and see what kind of people are there. Because these are some of the most loving and accepting people. It's crazy. Yes. So, thank you very much for listening. This was you and I, Tina.